Hello again, and welcome to Movie Reviews with the Two Tonys. I am Tony Cox, and to my far, far, far right in <laughs> in the great city of New York City is Anthony Pizzuto. Hey, folks, how y'all doing? Uh, well, that was really weird. What? Hi, hi folks. folks. Hi, folks. How y'all doing? Come <laughs> on down to Two Tones Movie Reviews. Apparently, this is a very right-wing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the way Tony just... <laughs> Hi, well, folks. I, I, how y'all doing? <laughs> you sound like Bob from Bob's Country Bunker in Blues <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> we got both kinds of music here. Country and, and Western. western. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, classic movie. We should do a podcast about that someday. We should. We should watch it. We should. Oh, classic movies. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, So this week, um, we're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek. (laughs) That's fine. You know the theme song better than I do. Um, So going into this, I got to say a little little history here is I am a huge Star Trek fan. Um, I always have been ever since I was a kid. Um, I have just watched Star Trek up the wazoo. Um, in recent years, you know, after Enterprise went off the air, um, I sort of shifted gears to Battlestar Galactica, um, and um, and uh, well, we should do a podcast about the Galactica pilot episode. Okay, that'd be a good one. Uh, so be oh, on the look. Caprica. Yeah, Caprica. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. What did I say? Galactica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kept Galactica Caprica. Galactic. Still fresh in our minds. Um, yeah, so we'll so keep keep a lookout for that uh, for that podcast review of the Caprica pilot episode, which is available on DVD everywhere. Um, so Star Trek. So I was a huge Star Trek fan. <clears throat> uh, Tony, uh, Mr. Pizzuto here, uh, was not. No, <laughs> and that's definitely it. not. That's putting it lightly. <laughs> um, I would rather. I would rather reupholster ancient furniture that was, you know, removed from the Staten Island landfill than <laughs> I mean, fresh oh. kills furniture. Fresh kills furniture. <laughs> isn't that what? Isn't that what everything goes does? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything goes um, on Staten Island. Fresh kills furniture. Uh, to- Tony, Tony is, however, a Star Wars fan. Oh, I love Star Wars. Star Wars, you know, and, and the, the reason why I wasn't a Star Trek fan. Uh, <laughs> it's because you were cool. <laughs> well, I was cool, and I, I like to have sex um, with women. And um, <laughs> I, I have lost my virginity. Um, but no, Star, Star Wars was just an amazing, was just an amazing trilogy. And um, notice, you, you notice know. he said trilogy. <laughs> yes, exactly. And not, so, not sextilogy? Sex Sextilogy. Ooh, I like that. I like That's a good one. I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you Star studied, Wars is just amazing. If, hmm? if you studied all six movies, you'd be a sextilogist. I would be a sextilogist. Do you have to go to school for that? I would like to. Sextilogy. <laughs> I have my doctorate in sextilogy. Um, but Star Trek never really tickled my fancy. I remember watching it when I was little. Uh, the original reruns, and then Next Generation when that was was brand spanking new. Um, but never, never could get into it. Not, not a big fan of creepy looking weird aliens and, and those being kind of like the center of the storyline, whereas Star Wars kind of, they have the aliens and they have the creepy figures, but, um, the story was more about Luke and, 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 and Vader and I, I don't know. So I never was a big fan and, and Tony 
over the past 10 years of our friendship has been trying to get me to watch Star Trek and kicking and screaming. I would refuse to. But then our boy JJ. JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams, the man. Um, and me being a huge fan of Lost can think that JJ Abrams could ever new, do no wrong. So um, I went to go see it. And uh, Tony, you go, you go first. Um, well, I got to say, you know, being a Star Trek fan and just, you know, being so being so uh, faithful to everything Star Trek. And I mean, as a filmmaker, I know that, you know, I, I mean, I know the, the downfalls and the flaws of, of Star Trek. And there are a lot, um, you know, and, and true, true, you know, good hearted Star Trek fans will tell you, you know, there and most of those are Star Wars fans also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, that it's, you know, Star Trek contradicts itself and this, that and the other thing, you know, within canon and all this other stuff. So going in, I was, um, and I and, and and I feel the same way about J.J. Abrams that you do. I mean, the man just is a genius. Um, he is. He's he's the filmmaker that we all aspire to be. He really is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the geeky filmmaker in all of us aspire to make cool movies like he does and make them well and entertaining, and so people enjoy them. And so I knew his approach to. I knew his approach to the. Uh, Star Trek was going to be great because he just wanted to make a good movie, a, a movie that everyone will enjoy, including Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. And that was really the key. So going into it, I was extremely skeptical and I was fortunate enough to see it in IMAX. Um, mm-hmm. And it was my first IMAX experience and it was just incredible. And, and watching the movie, um, it was just, I mean, it was just, it was, it was almost perfect. I mean, it really was an almost perfect movie, and it didn't. What, what could have made it perfect for you? Well, I think. I, well, I. I don't. Oh gosh, here we go. Um, <laughs> I think that the. Well, to give everybody a little bit of an overview of the story, it it starts off with the birth of young James T. Kirk, um, on the USS Kelvin when there's an attack by a futuristic Romulan vessel that attacks the Kelvin, and uh, Kirk's father, George Kirk, has to take command and basically drive the ship, the, the Kelvin, into this, this Romulan ship to save everybody who's escaping, including uh, George Kirk's wife and Jim Kirk's father as she's giving birth to James Kirk. Um, and then it, that that event, um, spoiler alert, um, changes the timeline of um, changes the timeline different from what we remember it, which is which is ingenious in itself, and we'll get to that later. Um, the uh, and then it proceeds to be the story of how James Kirk goes from being this bratty young, you know, this this little brat to being, you know, the the James Kirk captain of the Enterprise that we all know and love, and it's a phenomenal journey. I thought the first three or four minutes was pretty cheesy, um, and I was I was nervous because, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, is this how it's going to be? And then there's the moment when James Kirk is actually born that 
um, that uh, that catches you right off guard. And it's the way it happens, and it catches you, and it pulls you into the story, and it never lets you go. Um, and I don't know if you can really approve upon that because it's almost one of those you just got to barrel into it head first, mm-hmm. and you do. And um, I don't know as you can I don't know as you could really do anything differently in the first few minutes to make it less cheesy. Um, but um, but you just got to have faith that it will turn that it sticks and it does. The other thing um, and I, this is I'm so nervous about saying this because I feel bad about it, but Leonard Nimoy is so goddamn old. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the guy's almost eighty years old, if not more. Is he I mean, really? He was born in nineteen thirty-one. Oh my God! Really? So that makes him what seventy-eight years old? Something like that, yeah. So he's roughly around seventy-eight years old. The guy, I mean, and God love him. I mean, he is Spock, and he and he's in the movie as Spock, mm-hmm. as an older Spock that comes back in time and you know helps helps Jim Kirk to help Spock become the, the people that they are. It's a phenomenal story. Um, and the, you know, he's, he's such a brilliant actor, but he's so old that it almost took me, him being in the movie almost took me out of the story a little bit. Really? And I really felt that out of the whole movie, the scenes with him in them were the weakest. Really? Yeah, and Be, because of his why? Be, because of his oldness. <laughs> <laughs> I I well, and but the thing is, is like compared to, even though it was the weakest part of the movie, those scenes were still better than most movies that you watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so good, and and you know, you know, Chris Pine as James Kirk just does a phenomenal job. I mean, I was so impressed by him. To be able to carry a movie like that with all the responsibility and the weight on his shoulders, and he just does it without a hitch. I mean, there is never a moment in that movie where you think to yourself, this is not James Kirk. And um, so, I mean, that so that to me is an almost perfect movie. But I would, mm-hmm. you know, I honestly, I wouldn't want to change anything for fear of affecting yeah, you know the movie. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything to it. Um, so, what did you? I mean, what did you think overall? Well, as someone who wasn't a Star Trek fan, um, when I first heard that they were doing a movie, I, I of course wasn't as excited about it as a lot of people. Wasn't as excited. I could. I would guess that you could care less. I could have cared less. But but no, you couldn't the... have cared less. People are I... gonna. People are so pet peevish about that kind of stuff you couldn't care less because you I couldn't care less you care the least Star Trek. you care the least possible so you hey. could not care less <laughs> i think that's what we want to say wait okay that's yeah that sounds about right i i i really i couldn't care anything about star <laughs> trek being made into a movie um in but... fact i would bet that if 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 you hadn't i bet you i bet you tried to keep your distance from it um i, I did <laughs> I did uh, because every time I talked to you on the telephone for the for the for the for the three months before the movie opened, all I would get I knew that I would have to set aside at least an hour and a half 
to hear about Star Trek and the new trailer and what they're doing and who's in it and how great it's going to be. Um, it, it actually was was quite funny. And finally, um, Tony, you do an amazing job of beating me down into into <laughs> submission when it comes to movies that I'm adamant about not seeing or television shows or whatever. And um, I watched a few clips. And to be honest with you, I wasn't excited about it until I saw Simon Pegg was going to play Scotty um, because I had no idea that he was going to be part of the movie at all. Um, but I love Simon Pegg. I think he's freaking hysterical. And uh, once I saw him playing Scotty and there was that one clip that you showed me of when they first came on board the Enterprise, um, I was like, oh, okay, well, if Simon Pegg's in it, I'll go see it. Um, because I, uh, I know Chris Pine's work. Um, you were in, you were in just my luck, weren't you? I was, I and was. He, is and he in that? Was he in that one? He is. He plays the, uh, the lead and I forget his name in it, uh, so long ago. But that movie was, was, I, I mean, Wolverine Origins was, was, was the dog taking a crap. Uh, this was, this was pretty much the same. I mean, it's, it's a bubblegum Lindsay Lohan, look at me, I'm so cute kind of movie, which those are the kinds of movies I can't stand. Um, but he was in that and he was the male lead. He was the love interest of Lindsay. And um, I just, I just, he was just a bubblegum actor, you know? He was just another one of those pretty boys who does these bubblegum movies with Lindsay Lohan and, and Elisha Cuthbert and those kinds of people. And, and that was it. I think the movie he did before that was like The Princess Diaries or, or some, another chicky, tweeny kind of movie. So when I knew that he was in it, I was like, this is going to be terrible. Um, but I, you know, I went to the theater with my friend, uh, my friend what, Chris. What did you think about um, Siler from Heroes, Zachary Quinto being in it? You know, I, I don't know him from Heroes because um, I never really watched that show. Uh, but, but Zachary Quinto as Spock was amazing. The ca- you couldn't have cast a better movie. I, I, I went to this movie with no expectations aside from – from being in a room filled with with people wearing uh, Enterprise emblems on their or Starfleet emblems on their you know coat jacket. <laughs> were there were there people wearing that stuff? <laughs> yeah, I, you know it was dark and I didn't want to make eye contact with anyone, <laughs> so I I just I felt like I was going into like one of those old school porn theaters. I had like my hoodie over my head and the sunglasses <laughs> on. I'm like, no one could see me in here. No one could see me in here. Um, the casting of this movie couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, Zachary Quinto is Spock. Um, Eric Bana as Nero was, I mean, that was just great. I, he played that part. It was amazing. Uh, Simon Pegg as Scotty was, was brilliant. Um, all the, all the characters were, were, were wonderful. Uh, and there were little cameos too, that were, were kind of neat. Like Winona Ryder as Spock's mother. Who knew that Winona Ryder was still alive? <laughs> I, I thought they, I thought they sent her off to Sing Sing, and she just rotted in jail for shoplifting at Sam. <laughs> I'm just glad she didn't try to steal Spock's ears. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or half of the set. Um, sorry, Winona, we love you. You were great in Beetlejuice. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, the casting was amazing in this movie. The story was great. J.J. Um, Abrams, um, you know, he never he never fails to impress. Um, you know, and he, I, I love how he I always kinds of mixes in a little time travel thing, um, like Lost or Star Trek. Even he wrote Forever uh, Forever Young, which was that um, yep. 
Mel Gibson movie, and that yep. has to do with time and, and, yep. and things like that. So, I mean, he has this, this little thing with that. And um, I think it really worked. And, and a few people who saw the movie before I did were like, there's a little time travel in it. I was like, oh, man, it's going to be stupid. We got Chris Pine and we got time travel. This is going to be stupid. But, um, no, it was great. <laughs> they did a great job. And, like, you know, when, when everything starts getting explained, you're like, oh, my God, that's so fucking cool. I can't believe they just did that. And um, I really enjoyed the movie, and I left it. And I call, I, I think I called you up late late that evening and was like, okay, I want to go see all the, the original movies now uh, to see – you know, kind of like, you know, the rest of the stories that, that were made before this one. Um, you know, in my history, in my, in my experience, prequels are so, prequels are amazing because I think we, <laughs> as, as, well, as, as humans, we love to know where things come from. Right. Um, and I think that's why there was so much hype with like the Star Wars prequels. Um, plus they've been teasing us for 30 years with the prequel. So I, I think it was just also something that we'd been waiting for for so long. But like with the Star Trek prequel, um, not being a big fan, I didn't know really what to expect. But I was I was very happy with the movie, and I want to go see it again. And I did not have the opportunity to go see it in IMAX. Um, I ended up seeing it in a regular, you know, regular theater. But um, I'd love to go see it in IMAX because I I can just imagine that it's it's amazing. Oh, it was. Um, so on that note, let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be back with. Uh... Uh, more of Tony's excitement over <laughs> Star Trek. So, you're a cadet, you're studying, what's your focus? Xenolinguistics. You have no idea what that means. Study of alien languages, morphology, phonology, syntax. Means you've got a talented tongue. I'm impressed. For a moment there, I thought you were just a dumb hick who only has sex with farm animals. Wow. Not only. <laughs> this townie isn't bothering you, right? Oh, beyond belief. But it's nothing I can't handle. You could handle me. That's an invitation. Hey, you better mind your manners. Oh, relax, cupcake. It was a joke. Hey, farm boy, maybe you can't count. But there are four of us and one of you. So get some more guys and then it'll be an even fight. And we're back. Um... Gave Tony a chance to calm down a little bit from his excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him this excited about anything having to do with Star Trek. I know it's real. I, 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 it, it still doesn't feel right, but I'm sure it will. <laughs> um, again, you're listening to uh, Tony and Tony's movie reviews. Um, today we're discussing Star Trek. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, let's start at the beginning. The fir- I mean, obviously, one of the first things in, the, in, in one of the first trailers and one of the first things that happens in the movie is um, uh, young, young James Kirk being rebellious against his stepfather takes his stepfather's vintage 1966 Corvette, which, by the way, it's interesting to think of this. And J.J. And Abrams claims this had nothing to do with anything. But apparently, people are saying that there's a bit of a metaphor in throwing a 1966 Corvette off a cliff, because 1966 was the year that the original Star Trek show premiered. Oh. So it was like throwing away the old... Ooh, that's kind of cool. Isn't that an interesting metaphor? And he claims, yeah. he claims that that has nothing to do with it. Also, there's a... There's a um, the the song playing on the on the Nokia media phone in the 
in the Corvette mm-hmm. is uh, uh, is it Beastie Boys? It's Beastie Boys, uh, and the name of the song is Sabotage. And, oh yeah. Um, and there's a there's another in joke that apparently J.J. Abrams says has nothing to do with anything, but um, if you go back, there's a famous clip from the original series where uh, William Shatner is James Kirk. He says sabotage <laughs> instead of sabotage. Sabotage. And um, and <laughs> then there's a clip of him talking to somebody while he's doing voiceover work for Star Trek. And the director, you can hear the director. It's almost as good as that famous Orson Welles. Oh clip. my God, I love that. <laughs> that Orson Welles clip is amazing. <laughs> any of you, any of you, who don't know what we're talking about. Um, check out. Um, I'm sure it's it's on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, and uh, search Orson Welles. Um, uh, P is a pea commercial. It's like a pea commercial or something for for vegetables. It's a series of clips of Orson Welles in the recording studio. It's amazing. Anyway. And there's a clip of William Shatner, and he's doing voiceover, and he's saying sabotage. Mm-hmm. And the director says, um, the way you're saying sabotage, can, 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 you, can you say sabotage instead of sabotage? And he goes, I don't say sabotage. I say sabotage. And the director says, I, I, I know. Can you do it? You know, can you say sabotage? <laughs> and he's like, but you say sabotage. I say sabotage. And it's, 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 it's rather humorous. But apparently J.J. Abrams says there's no truth to that being an in-joke. Um, but anyway, so Jim, Jim Kirk, you know, he throws the bike off. What did you think of that scene? I mean, in the trailer, I mean, it was amazing because it starts off the the first full trailer that they that they showed for for Star Trek starts off with that scene, mm-hmm. and it immediately puts you in a place of. And J.J. Abrams is smart because the real story. Once it jumps into the real story after Kirk is born, he stays on Earth for a little while. To kind of you know you're familiar with it's something you know. There's a lot of elements that happen that you're familiar with, like the bar and stuff. But that Corvette scene really, you know, because it immediately connects you with something that you know. In fact, I just saw that. I just saw a Corvette that looked just like that the other day. Mm. Um, so what did you think of that scene? I thought it. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was good, and it was definitely a. Um... You know, the audience can relate to the rebellion. Um, you know, it definitely sets up the character, you know, of the adult James Kirk uh, with the little kid stealing his stepdad's, you know, Corvette and and just being a rebellious youth. And that really reflects uh, nicely in, in the later scenes with with Chris Pine. Um, I thought it was a great opening scene. I, 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 and that goes back to why I liked this movie so much as opposed to the rest of the Star Trek universe is because it, it, it starts on Earth and it, it shows it shows the progression of, of how these characters kind of became who they are. Um, the, the opening sequence with the Corvette is definitely a, a, a roller coaster, you know, kind of ride. You get the fast car, you get the cop chasing him, and then, you know... Then you uh, hear that Nokia ringtone. Yeah, the Nokia ringtone. Is, is, what was it? His stepfather or his mother? It was his stepfather. Who... Yeah, and she's, he's yelling at him. Um, and then he just he goes to the you know he takes that sharp right into the friggin' uh, to the cliff and then just jumps off over the cliff and grabs on and climbs up and it was it was just great. It really and it really does set up um, Kirk you know as he's as he's in his twenties and. You know the bar scene when he, when he's being rebellious, and he's—I did not expect it to be as funny as it was. 
Oh, it was hysterical. I mean, when Uhura, when Uhura was like, oh, and all this time I thought you were a dumb hick who only has sex with farm animals. And he goes, not only. I mean, <laughs> that's like, I mean, the the humor is at a very, you know, mm-hmm. it's very contemporary level. And, and I guess contemporary for Star Trek would be ancient. <laughs> but, well, yeah. And, uh, but it was, it was just so, I mean, it was great. And just the, you know, with Kirk at the Academy and everything, it was so... It was so relatable, and just the emotions of the characters. And Chris Pine plays Kirk with such a, such an everyman, you know, humorous uh, machismo that just. And what's interesting is thinking back to you know when you were saying rebellious Kirk when you watch um because you do you have this have you watched the Star Trek the other Star Trek movies yet not yet not yet when you get to Star Trek three. Um, it's, you know, the, the plot is basically, they got to go look for Spock. It's called Star Trek three, the search for Spock. And they got to go find Spock. And he asks to take the, he asked, he, they're all back at earth. And he asked Starfleet if he can take the enterprise on a rescue mission to this, uh, to this, to this planet to rescue Spock. And Starfleet says, no, the planet's under quarantine and the enterprise is being decommissioned. And you'll be reassigned. And so he goes back to his crewmates, and they say, "Well, what happened?" And they said, "Well, we they won't let us go." And he goes, "Therefore, I'm going anyway." And they steal the Enterprise. Hmm. And it's like that totally. And even though it's played by William Shatner, and that Kirk is from you know a different timeline, that's a core element of Kirk is that if he feels it's the right decision, you know, regulations be damned, he's going right. to go do it anyway. Exactly. Um, which is and 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 Chris Pine and and it's what's so smart that the writers did is they incorporate that into a younger version, mm-hmm. and they say, well, how would this how would this kid be, you know, if he was you know, if he was like that when he was younger, and they and it's just a phenomenal job and um, the way they introduce the characters and what's so great about this movie is that you know in other prequels some of the exciting bits are like how somebody got their name, you know, mm-hmm. and I use, I hate to use episode one as a, as a, as a, as a benchmark because it's a little unfair because episode one sucks. <laughs> Is at the end when the kids are born and she just names them Luke and Leia for no apparent reason. Yeah. Right. Right. Like she's like Luke, Leia. And then she mm-hmm. dies. Ugh. It's like, okay. Oh, and but before you go on, because I know we'll probably get phone calls about this. <laughs> it's actually ep- <laughs> it's actually episode three where they're born. Oh, uh, whatever. They all run together. <laughs> it's, it's... Well, I just don't want that 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 lone that lone nerd who who beats off to anime porn at, in the middle of the night go. Oh, but he been episode three. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one guy who thought episode one was a good movie. <laughs> oh, look! I just got an email from George Lucas. <laughs> We owe him two dollars um, <laughs> for saying episode three and one. <laughs> I actually meant he was the one guy that thought episode one oh. was a good movie. <laughs> um, the, um, but like you know, like when 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 at the beginning when James Kirk is born, and mm. she goes, you know, you know he's going to be named James Kirk. Right. So she says, she says, we should name him after your father. And he goes, Tiberius? What are you kidding me? And then he, he goes, no, no, we'll name him after your father. We'll call him Jim. And it's like, holy crap. Like, 
like because that's such a real moment that's yeah. you know two you know parents will have that conversation mm-hmm. and to have that conversation at a moment where the father's about to die is even that much more dramatic and that's the moment that caught that that grabbed me from the right. movie and pulled me in and then later on when he meets when he meets leonard leonard mccoy mm, and you yeah. know he's in the show in the movies he's always called bones and you're like, well, he's a doctor, you know, you call him Bones because he's a doctor, you know, you think, you know. And then when they sit down and they they get talking and he goes, he goes, you know, the wife left me, you know, she she took the planet in the divorce. <laughs> she took the entire planet in the divorce. And he goes, all I got left is my bones. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just such a class. Like, that is who thinks up that shit? Right. Like that is such a it's an organic way. And then he, and then Jim Kurt calls him Bones from then on out. Right. And it's like that's such a and that's such a real moment. Like the movie is full of such real moments in this, uh, you know, in this uh, fantasy world, in this science fiction world. And and just the, you know, you know, and, and Bruce Greenwood as Captain Pike is amazing. And how Vulcan children bully each other is hysterical. Spock turns around and he's like, I, I assume that you have prepared new insults for today. And like, it's like, it ta- it almost takes the fun out of bullying, you know? Right. And, right. Right. You know, they talk about how, well, you know, insult, you know, you've, you, you know, your, your 138 verbal insults have been ineffective. So let's see how he responds to physical stimulus and they shove him. And it's, it's that he just opens up a can of Vulcan human whoop ass on those guys. <laughs> And, uh, and it's, it's such a, and then when his father's like, you know, when he asks him why his father married a human woman and he says, well, I was the ambassador to earth. It only seemed logical. Like what a cold answer. Mm-hmm. And it just shows. And so, you know, and then it skips ahead to, you know, Spock, you know, being accepted into the cat to the science Academy of Vulcan, even with his disability, you know, or his disadvantage of being human Right. And that just, you know, pisses Spock off and he rejects and which is interesting because that's another story in, in from the original series where where um, you learn in the original series, you learn that Spock is the only Vulcan to ever turn down going to the Science Academy. Oh, really? And we never know why. And now we know why. And it was brilliant that they took these elements. Mm-hmm. They took the correct elements and really built a story around them. Which is how to do a prequel. This movie is the blueprint for how to do a prequel. It really yeah. is. It's actually it's a shame that this one didn't come out before episodes one through three. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't think that's a shame. I. You know. I. I wish J.J. Abrams had done episodes one through three. Then they could have been comparable movies. I wish. You know. I. I truly believe. It's like. What's the best? What's your favorite Star Trek movie? Uh, Star Wars movie. My favorite Star Wars movie. Um, oh God, uh, I or would what, say, what do you think is the best one out of the three, out of the original? I think three? the best one out of the original three is, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I and think it's... from a writing perspective and, and from a performance perspective, um, from a, my, mm-hmm. from, no. from, from a filmmaking perspective, that's definitely, it's the more, it's the more solid of the three. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, when... and because it has the twists, you know, it has, you know, the bad guys actually win in this one. Um, which is something that you don't see very often. Um, it was just a really, it was a really good uh, story. It was also a, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a very impressive movie. 
I think I think visually though, um, and the reason why I got in got wanted to get into the film business um, was Return of the Jedi, because because of the advances in in special effects and mechanical puppetry and and um, um, you know and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think visually Return of the Jedi is 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 superior. Um, but Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. And when you ask most people what their mm. favorite Star Star Wars movie is or what they feel is the best one, most people answer The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And it's my it's my favorite too. And I think it's the best one out of the three, also. And and I'll tell you why is because you know, George Lucas did not write it. Right. And George Lucas did not direct it. Right. Exactly. He is a brilliant idea man. And you look at Indiana Jones, which mm-hmm. is another George Lucas idea that Steven Spielberg directed, and those are great movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the last one was pretty good. I haven't. I've still yet to see that one. You should see. It's pretty. It's worth. It's worth renting. Yeah. But um, let's take another quick break, and uh, we'll come back and wrap up our review. Who are you? I'm with He's him. with me. We are traveling at warp speed. How did you manage to beam aboard this ship? You're the genius. You figure it out. As acting captain of this vessel, I order you to answer the question. Well, I'm not telling, acting captain. What? Well, now, that doesn't frustrate you, does it? My lack of cooperation. That that doesn't make you angry. Are you a member of Starfleet? Um, yes. Can I get a towel? Under penalty of court-martial, I order you to explain to me how you were able to beam aboard this ship while moving at warp. Well, don't answer. You will answer me. And we're back. So, to kind of wrap up the story here, the the overall theme of the movie is how great two people can be in a friendship. And it was mm-hmm. basically how all they could accomplish together is greater than what they could accomplish to you know apart. And it's and it was so brilliant. I felt the two things that were extremely brilliant in this story were. Number one, when Spock comes back and he tells young Kirk that he needs to um, that he needs to he needs to provoke Spock into an emotional overload, pretty much, mm-hmm. so that he can take command. And um, yeah, that and was great. and and the fact that you know Kirk does it, and he you know and and then you know Spock you know comes to grips with what's happened and he has that oh he has that brilliant conversation with his father where where you know where Sarek his father says you know you asked me once going back to the question he goes you asked me once why I married your mother and he says because I loved her and it's amazing to me that Vulcans even though they're logical creatures they're suppressing their emotions but it doesn't mean that they're not affected by them Right. And the the genius of Gene Roddenberry creating that is because that's a human struggle in all of us mm-hmm. in that we are constantly trying to suppress our emotions in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And to be able to connect with that is just is 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 why he created the character of Spock and was just a genius creation. Mm-hmm. And when he when Sarek, when uh, when Sarek, Spock's father tells Spock that Spock realizes that that he he doesn't need because he's half human he doesn't need to fully suppress his emotions 
he can allow them to surface and to use them. And he decides to go back to the, you know, to the, to the, to the crew and to, and to, you know, basically go kick some ass because he's pissed off that they killed his mother. Right. Or that his mother died during the attack. And to, oh, and by the way, to destroy the entire planet of Vulcan is a huge, is a huge fucking deal in the Star Trek universe. Really? Oh, absolutely. Because Vulcan, number one, it's 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 one of the founding planets of the Federation. And in the original series, Spock is the first alien we ever meet in the show. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. He was in the original pilot episode. He's the first officer of the ship when they had the second pilot with William Shatner. He, I mean, he, Vulcan is like Vulcan is as Star Trek, you know, as Spock is to Star Trek, and. In, in in everything that's come before this movie, Vulcan has been you know has popped in now and again, mm-hmm. and has been has been um, you know a prime element in the story. And to to destroy it like that takes some fucking balls, man. And to to really, but it's but I I really feel like in a post nine eleven world, you can do that. And your audience won't abandon you. That's and true. We, we've become definitely more accustomed to disaster um, and, and loss um, in, in cinema, more so since 2001. Yeah, I agree with that. And, um, and so when Spock... And the, the brilliant thing is that at the end of the movie, when, when Spock Prime, as he's called, talks to young Spock... Um, he uh, he says, you know, young Spock says, why didn't you just come and tell me? And I would have believed you. And Spock said, Spock Prime says, to deny you the experience of becoming friends and to deny you the experience of realizing what you and, you know, Captain Kirk could do together, he would never want to do that. He would never want to, you know... Mm-hmm. take that experience away from him which is so i mean that's brilliant writing right there because it gives an organic reason like what would what, what would have otherwise been a plot hole it's there's now an organic reason why that didn't happen mm-hmm. and it just you know it just touches and it, it's what star trek did originally in the 60s is it touches on the things that you know, we personally are afraid of, that we're hopeful about, that we struggle with every single day, and just, you know, explode them into a grander scheme in an epic story of good versus evil. And, but at the same time, it's so personal and touching that you don't have to be a Star Trek fan, you don't have to be a science fiction fan, because you're going to get the characters and you're going to care about them. Right. So, and the, and this is a proper way to use special effects in a movie. I mean, there was never once. Did you feel like there was a moment where you felt the special effects were greater than the story, or that the the special effects in the scene overshadowed the other elements of the movie? Not at all. Not at all. It was the the special effects were 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 wonderful, but they they did not take over the movie. Um, and they weren't campy. They weren't cheesy. They were 
they were what you'd expect from a J.J. Abrams production. Have you seen Have you seen uh, Mission Impossible Three, by the way? Uh, which one was that? I don't know. It's the th- the third one. It's the only one that's any good. <laughs> it's the one with I... Philip. It's the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, yes, I have seen that. Yeah, that's a that that was J.J. Abrams' first movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and Star Trek is only his second movie he's ever directed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. I did not know so. that. All right. Well, I think that about covers it. Any final thoughts? Um, go see the movie. Uh, when it comes out on DVD, go buy the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, support support this project because there's going to be more coming from JJ on the Star Trek front, and um, it's if you don't like Star Trek, you're going to fall in love with it um, after watching this movie. Or at least you're going to fall in love with this brand of Star Trek. So go check it out. And I completely agree. Uh, that's coming from a non-Star Trek fan, so that means something. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, our next podcast will be um, uh, on the movie Up, uh, the new Pixar 3D movie. Uh, so be on the lookout for that and uh, we'll see you next time